find yourself in a world that no longer makes sense. When you realize that a man like Epstein didn't Epstein himself. When the police are defunded, but Pakistan gets a gender studies grant. You may be in the Collapse Experiment. Welcome back to the Collapse Experiment. There is a lot of news today, and there's a lot of topics I want to talk about. Thankfully, I have this new platform to discuss what I want, how much I I want to discuss it, not be impeded by certain uh, media outlets, media apps, um, where, you know, they, they tend to regulate what we can say, even though we have a First Amendment. The, the first one, the one that should be the most important, but uh, continues to be ignored by uh, corporate media and uh, people who just don't think that what you have to say matters. So let's get to it. Uh, there was the recent assassination of Shinzo Abe. He's the former prime minister of Japan. Uh, you might remember him as being one of the people who uh, regularly hung out with Trump when Trump was president. They went on helicopter rides. They had a blast. Uh, but uh, this one, this one really surprised me. When was the last time you heard about the assassination of any Japanese politician? Uh, this, this is not a normal thing. The Japanese people tend to be very loyal when it comes to their their leaders. Uh, this was a huge issue during World War II. Like, what the heck do we do with the emperor? Um, but uh, the other, the other amazing, and I say amazing because I can't believe this was pulled off. The other amazing thing about this assassination is that he was shot. This is a country where guns, firearms of any type, are highly regulated. To the point where, yes, the Yakuza has them. But uh, if you've ever read the book, uh, Tokyo Vice, uh, I highly recommend it. Check it out. It's about a, uh, an American who moves to Japan to become a crime reporter. Um, integrates himself in the society. He, you learn quite a bit, uh, especially from the crime aspect of Japanese society. And... Um, Yes, the Yakuza has guns. However, because of the laws in Japan, even to fire a gun, to uh, discharge a bullet, if you will, uh, can give you a life sentence in prison. So even when mobs go to war with one another, you really, really have to piss somebody off in order to be shot. (laughs) They're usually... Uh, fighting each other with knives, katanas, um, you name it. It's it's brutal. It's bloody. Uh, that is how things usually go down in Japan. So for this guy to go after Shinzo Abe with a gun, shoot him, kill him, uh, they're trying to say that his death was cardiac arrest following the shooting. It, it's almost like they're trying to take the credit away from the shooter. Like, well, the shooter didn't kill him. It was the heart attack that followed the shooting. Uh, 
it's a lot better than how we handle stuff like this in the United States where, uh, you know, a guy goes into a school, shoots up a bunch of kids, and then, you know, we try to blame the gun somehow for the death of the children instead of the psychopath who's usually on some type of SSRI, uh, was on the FBI radar, if you will, uh, known to local authorities as a problem and then somehow passes the background check that people are always yelling we need more background checks and somehow these people who who have a past they're on the fbi radar the background check goes through the fbi that's that's who these gun shops go to they they call in or they they use the internet they type in your your id number are you on a watch list did you commit a felony are you for some reason on the FBI list? Well, apparently if you're about to commit a major crime, you're never on the FBI list, even though the FBI is like, yeah, we know about that guy. Uh, it's a horrible system, and I can, only, I can only speculate the reason the FBI fails at their background checks 9.9, 10 times out of 10, I'm guessing, that seems to be the number that I'm getting from all these news stories. That 10 times out of 10, a mass shooter, a, a serial killer, uh, a, a cross-dressing psychopath um, can just go into any gun store, pass the background check from the FBI, and uh, get said firearm, or, or several. Um, however, that is not how things roll in Japan. Um, the ability to get a gun is practically non-existent somehow this guy was able to do it and uh there's some speculations as to how this was able to transpire they're wondering if it was some type of inside job quite frankly i i don't understand the the logic behind granted this could just be some some mentally disturbed person but um to kill the former prime minister, how that would affect things politically, I I don't know. Like how does it'd be like going after a former president in the United States? Like you're you're not changing anything. He can't sign any any laws. Um, can't dictate you know military policy. Uh, a former president really doesn't have all that much power unless you're. Um, you know, Herbert Walker Bush, who gets all the same intel briefs, um, then gives that information to places like Saudi Arabia. You know, um, kind of not missing that guy. Uh, you know, when when you're a, a traitor to your country like that, uh, you're on <laughs> foreign payroll for certain information other people are not privy to. Um, it only makes me think that you have bad intentions. So, um, yeah, getting back to this, Shinzo Abe, uh, former prime minister of Japan, is, is dead. And um, one of the other speculations about this is that it has to do with his economic policies. Japan is not doing very well right now, economically. Um, they are a tight ally with the United States. Um, Financially, they've helped us out quite a bit over the past couple decades, uh, acquiring U.S. debt, um, economic policies when it comes to trade. 
the Japanese were so good at economics, they destroyed their own company with deflation, or co company, they destroyed their own country with deflation back in the 90s, uh, which they've slowly crept out of, and now their economy is falling apart again, but isn't that the story everywhere right now? Isn't the world economy just falling apart for the, for the most part? So, yeah, uh, still no other information coming out of Japan. And if you want to know the truth about what's happening over there, <laughs> we're not going to find it out. Uh, I highly recommend the uh, HBO show Tokyo Vice based on the book. Because if you want to know uh, how to read the news coming out of Japan, you really have to understand the culture. And I think the book and the show explains it fairly well. Um, there's, been, there's like this, this rule when it comes to the newspapers that there's, there's no murder in Japan. So uh, culturally, it, it's almost like in your face they have to be in denial whereas the public overall knows what the truth is and as an american it's really hard to know the line between what they're saying and what's actually going on so um definitely recommend that show uh it, <laughs> if you're into reading the, the book is awesome as well so uh moving on we also have Biden apparently has been selling our oil to the EU and China. Uh, that's not the story. Uh, I, I hate to break it to you, but Zero Hedge revealed this when Biden first tapped into the strategic reserves back in April. We've known about this since April. I was pissed off about this in April. Uh, the first tankers that left Louisiana after filling up at the strategic reserves that we have, um, that shipped off to the EU. So that oil never was added to the U.S. economy, the um, petroleum industry. It, it, was, it was never sent to our refineries to be turned into gas to lower gas prices. It was shipped elsewhere, and it has continued to be shipped elsewhere to the likes of India, China, Ukraine, the EU as a whole. Uh, yeah, remember when he went on TV and said, we're, we're going to lower your gas prices, and it never happened? And then come to find out that um, even if it did go into the U.S. economy, it might drop gas prices by like 10 cents, something like that, because... I think in the world, no, in the U.S., we use, I think it's something like 20 to 23 million barrels a day, and he's releasing a million barrels a day. So, like, what, five, less than 5% of what we use? Um, it's not a whole heck of a lot. It would have helped. It would have been nice if the oil that we paid for uh we as taxpayers paid for that oil to be sitting in the reserve. Uh, the reason it sits there is in case there's a war. The last time it was tapped into the way that it's being tapped into now was, I believe, Desert Storm uh, for the military. Um, so looking back, uh, well, for one, Biden lied to you. 
Oh no, a politician lied to me. What am I going to do? Oh, my trust is shattered. If your trust hasn't already been shattered, I, I, there's no hope for you. <laughs> there's, uh, so we have uh, Biden lying to the American people, uh, selling our national resources, our inventory to or foreign countries. The, the most shocking part is we got pissed off at China for stating behind our backs that they were going to trade with Russia. This was established years ago. They were going to trade with Russia in their currencies for oil. So Russia could sell oil to China. They go back and forth. It overrides OPEC. They don't have to use the U.S. dollar. Uh, it's it's a great policy for them. And, uh, you know, if you're a capitalist and you're like, yeah, they get to do that. That's cool. Uh, if you look at how that affects the U.S. overall with the devaluation of the dollar, that's a huge blow. Uh, and then India stepped in and said, we'd like some of your oil, too. And it's at a discount. Awesome. We'll take as much as we can get. Meanwhile, Biden is sending oil to India. Like, you know, our, our one million barrels is really going to... Um, discourage them from buying Russian oil. <laughs> it's a it's a huge, huge joke. Uh, and as for Tucker Carlson, uh, I, I don't understand the timing behind this. I, I think it might have been more effective to just like call it out when it first started to say that, hey, uh, Remember how he said this? Well, this is where the oil currently is going. So instead of ragging on him and and completely discrediting his administration the entire time that he's selling this oil to foreign countries, even ones that are hostile towards us, <coughs> China, um, instead of doing that, it's just, uh, you know, midterms are coming, and I, I have to believe that was the reason for the timing. It's not like this information wasn't known. You can find the original article at thecollapseexperiment.com uh, where Zero Hedge was pointing out where this oil was going from day one. Uh, it, it was not for us at all. And uh, I think we need to call these people out on that. And uh, quite frankly, uh, it's insulting that... For one, it's insulting to people like me who keep up on this stuff and go, wait, it's it's July. We've known this since April. Like, why is this mainstream news now? It doesn't make any sense. Are you are they building a case? And if so, like, what kind of case are they trying to like? What's going to happen here by revealing it now? They should have been, as I said, they should have been ragging on this dude the entire time for this and it just doesn't happen. So the EU decided that they were going to post an article yesterday um, discussing the benefits of world hunger. Um, no, it wasn't the EU, it was the UN. I can't get these letters right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it might as well be called the EU uh, when you when you look at the UN, but uh, the United Nations posted an article on their website yesterday called The Benefits of World Hunger, and uh, this article was written back in 2008, and it discussed how um, 
hungry people are more productive. Uh, it gives them the ambition to do certain things. If people weren't hungry, and it, it has like really, really illogical, horribly stupid arguments as to why we should, um, I don't know, uh, is this guy like saying we should work towards famine? Like we should in encourage a food shortage? I, I don't understand the logic behind this article because I've, he's, he's trying to say that if, if people weren't hungry, who would work the fields? Who would plow? Who would plant? If, if everybody had food, that would just all fall apart. Um, I've, I've met fat farmers and uh, they, they still have the ambition to grow food be, because it's a, a business. Now, it, it, I, I have a feeling that this guy who, uh, if uh, my sources are correct, was a university professor at the time, he doesn't seem to understand the difference between uh, gardening and farming because farming is a business. When you have 100... A thousand, ten thousand acres, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you could grow enough food for you and your family on a quarter of an acre and be very, very highly productive at that and, and feed yourselves and uh, not have to rely on the supermarket. When you have a large farm, it's not just you, dude. Um, who's going to, how is one family going to eat all that corn? <laughs> How is one family going to eat all that soybean? Uh, you, you name the crop, it's it's not there because the farmer's hungry. He's there because he has bills to pay. He's got debt. He owes money to the banks who loan him the money to get the seed, to get the, the fuel, the, the fertilizer, to produce the crop that's going to go to market and hopefully give him enough money left over after he pays back the bank to pay his loans, buy new equipment, uh, send his kid to college so that they don't end up becoming a farmer. The The logic behind this article is uh, horribly stupid. And um, when the UN was asked about it, which it, it was quickly removed, uh, they said, oh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's satire. It, it, it was a joke. And it's like, no, this, this was... Uh, Hmm, let's see here. Day after the uh, Georgia Guidestones is blown up, they post an article explaining why world hunger is good. Hmm, could, could this be replacing the, the, the previous roadmap that they were working off of? Like 500 million, yeah, that's a good number. Oh my God, traffic could be down so far. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, so they tried to write it off as satire. Uh, that it was it was just a joke. Uh, currently, you know, uh, this is this is how bad their their sense of humor is. If we're going to believe their lie, and say, okay, maybe this this was a joke, but in order to believe that, they'd have to be ignoring the fact that there's farming farmer protests in Denmark, uh, Poland, Germany. Italy, uh, Sri Lanka currently is under military rule because the government was overthrown. People, uh, that all started with food riots and 
right now the people of Sri Lanka are begging for the help of Russia to get rid of their military government, which the military installed themselves after all hell broke loose. Nobody can get gasoline. Gasoline is reserved for military, police, and emergency vehicles. And if you try to go to a gas pump to fill your your Vespa, <laughs> you are shot by the cops. Uh, that is how things are rolling in Sri Lanka, and that's all. That all started with rising food costs due to food shortages. So you didn't have enough enough food for the people. What food you had cost so much that people are they're having bidding wars as to who can get that bag of rice and uh, yeah all hell broke loose so uh good job un um this is why i'd have to compare you to i don't know the supreme court right now uh you you try to dictate international law but you have no authority to to uh really uh enforce these laws you just kind of hey we're gonna make this illegal you you stop that we we're, we'll do a uh uh <laughs> what are they gonna do uh usually it's like some type of trade embargo or something but uh yeah and un troops uh are 99% useless. Uh, they end up having, you know, they're there, they're standing around, they have the blue helmets, but then they have these uh, rules of engagement where unless somebody is stabbing you in the face, you should first tell them to stop, um, beg and plead, um, try to remember speaking their native language because odds are uh, UN soldiers are, are not native to that country. And then when you're about to die, you can shoot back. But don't don't hit them. You, you, you don't want to do that. Uh, that. That's very bad. That's, that's not why we're there. Uh, we're there to help the people, not kill them. So yeah, uh, the UN is just a useless organization kind of like the supreme court at this point because the supreme court of the united states um they can have these rulings they can dictate law and what is constitutional what's not constitutional and um then you have people like joe biden and the doj just saying like yeah uh we're not gonna going to enforce that which completely overrides the Supreme Court and makes them uh, impotent, inept, uh, useless. Um, how many more words could I could I use to describe this when when the government is not following the rules dictated by another branch of government? Um, yeah, what? Who do you go by? What do you go by? It's it's pretty amazing. I, I really wish that the government would go by this whole rule of like corporations are not people. Then, uh, you know, if, if you're going to refuse to enforce certain rulings on, on cases, could could you do the bad ones? That that'd be nice. Like maybe if a corporation commits a crime, you could actually punish the corporation as if it was a person. Like, hey, um, no, you got 20 years in prison. Well, who goes to prison then? We're a corporation. 
Yes, but corporations are made up of people. Which means, uh, you know, if you do this horrible policy and it hurts people and it gets people killed, I think the people responsible should probably end up in prison. And maybe the, the, the company itself, with these horrible policies that enacted this thing to happen, shouldn't be allowed to... I don't know, exist? Uh, that, that'd be nice. Um... You know, considering what happened during World War II, I'm really surprised Volkswagen is still around. The people's wagon. Uh, how is that a thing? Granted, they, they do tend to make some pretty cool cars. But uh, at what cost? <laughs> like, how many, how many people died for that company to get to where it is today? Yeah. Uh, uh, even even better, like thinking back on it, the Volkswagen Beetle, the the iconic car of the boomer generation, the ones who came after the great generation, the the ones who defeated the Nazis. Was that just like sticking it to dad? That's like, yeah, dad, I got a new car, and then he comes out and he sees his son driving like some some little itty bitty German uh, piece of technology, and he's just like, are you freaking like I? I kill. I lost friends. I killed people so that my son could buy the the car of the enemy. Hmm, like that. I man, talk about the tensions of the '60s. I wonder how much that had to do with it. So I have to wonder how much of this oil that Biden is sending over to China and India and the EU, how much of it is in order to try to pay off federal debt, uh, the national debt, the $30 trillion, um, in an effort to keep solvent, to kind of rescue the dollar, if you will. Uh, I came across a story, uh, Southern Prepper One uh, was uh, talking about this, and it ended up being like a little news snippet and part of his boots on the ground uh video series if you haven't seen that you might want to check it out but um somebody wrote in from the navy talking about how contractors were refusing to continue working on a nuclear submarine because the federal government currently owes them 90 million dollars already for previous work 90 million dollars to work on a nuclear submarine and for some reason these guys are not being paid so um, I have to wonder if they're already not paying contractors for work that's previously done and there's still things that need to be done in order to keep this submarine operational if those people aren't being paid how close are we to not paying the debts on the bonds that were issued in order to print all the money for all the crap that we we no longer have any any tangible value in. Uh, remember how how Biden was trying to push this? I think it was like a 1.2 trillion dollar stimulus package, and it was going to include like money for daycare. <laughs> where it's like, okay, where where is this money going? Uh, how's it being spent? Uh, five years from now, are we going to actually see any type of return? Why aren't the roads fixed? Can, can anybody answer this? Because, uh, 
here in Michigan, every every governor runs on, I'm going to fix the roads. And um, we're, we're still waiting. We're, uh, like, <laughs> some people would argue, well, COVID happened. Wouldn't that have been a great time of, of any time? People, you're telling people to stay at home. It starts with two weeks, and then it turns into two months, and then it turns into six months. You can leave, but wear a mask. Oh, by the way, we have this new jab thing. Might want to try that one out. So people aren't out as much. And instead of fi fixing the roads when there's no traffic jam, uh, nothing. <laughs> we get nothing. We got nothing out of COVID. Absolutely nothing. Uh, we had a lot of businesses go under, which means a lot of unemployment for every, oh man, what's the statistic? For every percentage, unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. So what is that? Loss of health insurance, uh, can't afford medications, suicide. Uh, there's a whole lot of people and, you know... I think that's where they ended up fudging the numbers when it came to this disease was the fact that you shut down the economy, shutting down economies have repercussions. They're trying to argue all the health benefits of not working and getting that time off. Meanwhile, you have people who are in dire situations for several different reasons. And uh, yeah, people died and it wasn't due to COVID. It had to do with poor economic policies from the states, the federal government, and um, that's that's what we should really be focusing on. Is uh, they're going to say, "Well, it was due to COVID. A, a virus didn't do this. The virus did not create the policies. The virus did not shut down the economy. Um, that was people, and." Uh, Hopefully one day people will be held liable for, for what happened and the damage that was done. So I want to get back to the, the protests that are happening because uh, nobody's covering this on the news. Uh, we know about Denmark. Uh, I've covered that a couple times uh, where police are, are shooting at men in tractors because they're Driving down the street, it got to the point where farmers had to buy a tank and bring it to the protest to try to discourage the cops from um, acting like Gestapo. Uh, then you have protests now erupting in Poland, Italy, Germany, and it all has to do... And meanwhile, uh, France, I believe it was last year they had protests going on because of policies that France was trying to enact when it came to global warming, uh, where you had French farmers uh, at the capital driving around in their tractors. Uh, this is an ongoing thing. So these countries, while they're screaming and yelling about how there's going to be a food shortage, they're telling farmers not to farm or that they can't farm or that by 2030, they'll no longer be farming. And at the same time, they're whining and complaining, well, we can't get food. Like food just magically appears. It's almost as if these, 
these countries are being run by people who don't understand how the world works. And I've heard these stories. I haven't come across these people, thank God, because I'd probably be arrested for slapping the shit out of somebody. But I've heard people talk about comments or or others that they ran into where they're like, no, dude, you don't have to kill the cow. You just go to the store. And it's like, what are you talking about? The meat is at the store. Well, where do you think they get the meat from? Uh, it's in the back of the store. Well, where do you, how do you think the store got the meat? Uh, it comes in on a truck. Well, where did that truck get the meat from? The factory. Well, where did the factory produce the meat? At the factory. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, there seems to be a lot of people who don't understand that food doesn't magically appear at the store. And it's almost like those people are running these countries saying that these farmers, it's almost like they're accusing the farmers of not producing anything or, or that they don't really have a job that the whole, like, well, how does this corn get turned in? No, this, well, this comes from the factory. <laughs> like corn isn't everything. Do they not realize that in order to get their their Twinkies and their Ho Hos and uh, all the other, all the other nice snacky things that they enjoy, uh, that somebody had to grow corn or soy or or wheat, uh, in order for a lot of this stuff that they pull out of a wrapper? Maybe it's the wrapper. Maybe it's the wrapper that has disconnected humanity from from where we get our food, like. It's the sanitary thing. Like, once I open this, it's mine. I can consume this. And then you throw the wrapper away. Nine times out of ten, it ends up in the ocean. Uh, but you have a, this is a few generations now, of people who are completely separated from their food source. Now, there's... There's this theory that the people who are creating these policies are just idiots. Sure. Okay. Uh, we can roll with that one. It'd be nice. It, it, it'd be wishful thinking that these people are just dumb. Because at least we know that we can replace them. But um, as for, for me, <sighs> I'd like to think that they're just stupid. But there seems to be this diabolical, evil conspiracy that uh, they are really navigating us towards this famine. That this is what they want. Because hungry people will do desperate things. Hungry people eventually starve and die. And after all, uh, 500 million, is, is that the number that was at the Georgia Guidestones? Uh, if that is really the number that they're aiming towards, and it's all for the sake of global warming, um, you know, they've, they've tried a few things. They're, they're continue it's almost like they're throwing things at a dartboard, and certain sections of the dartboard are... Every, every section, there's like the bullseye, which I'm, I'm guessing would probably be nuclear war at this point. Uh, global nuclear war. That will reduce the population. Woohoo! Um, but then you have like, you know, maybe a, a triple 20 is like transgender reassignment surgery. Completely sterilizes somebody. 
uh, leads to high rates of suicide. That's a way to depopulate people. Uh, what if we put something in, in, what, what if we gave the kids something that would sterilize them? Hmm. What, what if we created a vaccine where, you know, you had certain spike proteins that would, uh, travel throughout the body and, uh, create havoc in certain organs. I don't know. Um, men end up with lower sperm counts. Women's ovaries stop producing eggs on a regular basis. Well, actually, they already have the eggs. They just drop them on the regular. What if it wasn't so regular? What if we made it harder through, I don't know, some type of uh, <clears throat> injection for people to reproduce? Well, that's one way to reduce population. But, you know, if you have a goal, if you have a certain number like 2030, and you really want to hit that goal, well, waiting a few generations isn't going to help. What about a virus that, for some reason, if you're old and you're on 20 different medications for different things, you're more susceptible to it, and then we can put you on a breathing machine because that's more humanitarian. It's almost like getting lethal injection where, yes, we want you to die, but we want it to happen in a way where it's like, you know, you're just kind of taking a nap that you don't wake up from. Uh, maybe, you know, if the prescription for COVID was we have to put you on a ventilator when it gets really bad. Oh, by the way, 85% of people who are put on these machines don't come off of them, meaning they, they die while they're on them. But you have a 15% survival rate with this. Oh, the, that, that weird cheap medication that they use in Africa and South America. No, you, you don't want to try that. No, uh, it's, it's, pff, there's, there's zero studies that that works. I mean, just because those countries seem to have a very low rate of death and infection does not mean that that medication has any way of stopping this virus. It's insane. Uh, so, um, yeah. Oh, man. The last two years. The point is, it looks more and more like uh, there is um, an effort in order to create a famine while we're in the middle of an energy crisis. It's almost like we don't really have an energy crisis. It's almost like they're conserving the energy that we have left for the people who will be left over, if you understand what I'm saying. It's like, we know that the age of oil is coming to an end. We have X amount of barrels left. But, you know, if we, if we just get the number down to this, we'll have it for several hundred more years there's just quite simply too many people, too many people. And um, how, how would you organize? How would you decide who gets to stick around? Uh, that, I think, is the discussion. Well, for one, I think that discussion's already been had. And I think when it comes down to it that 
people who decide these things realize that the only, I'm not even going to say fair, the only logical conclusion that they came to was, well, you know, if we just... If we just make it so that people have to compete, I don't know, in some type of uh, games. It's like uh, if everybody's hungry and we create a game out of it and the people who win get to stick around, that natural selection in itself would decide as to who was able to stick around on the planet. Um, hmm, where, where have we heard that before? Uh, cause after all, um, you know, people talk about the camps, you know, putting people in the camps and all of a sudden it's like, well, where'd Bob go? Well, you know, Bob went to the camp. Oh, when's he coming back? Huh? <laughs> well, come back. What, what are you talking about? No, he's just, he's living it up at the camp. Didn't you, didn't you see the Australian, uh, uh, vacation, uh, you get to go on the beach and uh, just kind of hang out with your friends. Meanwhile, these, there's these guys in like bio suits going door to door saying like, we saw you hanging out on your porch. And, uh, yeah. Um, and what was that place called? I'm not going to remember it, but uh, yeah, you know, the camps <laughs> where, where you go to uh, live it up and no one ever sees you again. Uh, you know, the, the camps themselves probably got a bad rap when it came to uh, population control. Uh, gee, I wonder how that happened. So if, if you were the world leaders and you needed to cut the world's population by 2030, how would you go about doing it? <sighs> Maybe don't publish an article on the UN website saying, um, you know, the, the positive side effects of world hunger. Uh that's that's kind of a, a no-brainer. Uh, how they thought they would get away with that. Maybe don't post some Stonehenge-looking thing in the middle of a field in the state of Georgia that says that you want to reduce the world's population to 500 million. Maybe don't have Bill Gates go on uh, TED Talk and discuss how there's several ways to save the planet. Uh, there, there's three major ones to reduce carbon emissions, uh, and one of them happens to be the depopulation of people. Oh, by the way, I'm going to start out with that one. It's kind of like the First Amendment. You know, the, the, the First Amendment's the, the most important one. Uh, it's so important, it had to be protected by the Second Amendment. So when, Te when uh, Bill Gates goes on this show and talks about how are we going to reduce carbon? Well, we'll start with depopulating people. How about that? <laughs> so, oh man. Oh, so if things weren't bad enough, we have a natural gas line down in Texas that exploded recently. Yeah, because that's something that we need happening right now. Uh, it's a 24-inch pipe. Runs a lot of gas through it. Um, and the whole plant has been uh, shut down, and they don't know when it's going to be back online. Stuff like this. Stuff like this keeps happening. You also have the um, food processing centers that keep catching fire. And uh, that's an interesting one, because...
people are trying to argue that, oh, this is a common thing. It happens all the time. Multi-million dollar food processing facilities. These are, are businesses. Uh, you know, there's OSHA regulations. There's fire codes. There's things that have to be followed. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I, I know that things like mills uh, where wheat in a powdered form is flammable and combustible. I understand that places like that uh, have a tendency to occasionally have an accident happen and things explode and uh, catch on fire. However, for it to be happening at a constant rate all the time in one country, nationwide, in, in the United States, um, yeah, that doesn't... There's mathematically, it doesn't add up. If places like that burn down all the time, for one, who would invest in it? Who's going to say, like, oh, I'm going to create a food processing center here for our local lettuce industry, and then five years down the road, it just burns down? Uh, it doesn't make it, it doesn't add up. And granted, finally, people are coming out saying like, well, statistically, the numbers are higher than they are on average, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, fire codes, OSHA regulations, uh, you have all these uh, hoops that people have to jump through in order to keep these places, for one, to get them open. Look at the, the baby formula situation. That place is still not open come to find out it's all because of the government um again you are the carbon they want to reduce and that includes your kids so um for for everything that these people have to do in order to open these places in order to keep them open inspectors come in and make sure that everything's being followed is there a fire extinguisher here do you have the fire system in the ceiling so that if something happens it's immediately put out uh None of this seems to have been followed in in many, many instances. I mean, there's the ones where the planes crash into the building. Well, it was what? Two planes? Two separate planes on two different occasions crashed into food processing centers in one week? Uh, it's almost like somebody, like Dr. Evil is sitting there going, we need to step up the process in in getting these food processing centers shut down. Bring in the planes. You worked on 9-11. Mm -hmm. So um, you have the food processing centers shut down, uh, set on fire. Now we've got a natural gas explosion down in Texas. That's awesome. Yay. And um, apparently in Europe, uh, firewood... Winter firewood for heating your homes is uh, sold out. Uh, they can't get any. I have a feeling that might become a booming industry in Michigan where we just start shipping firewood to Europe. <laughs> because everybody here has firewood. Um, it, it's a nasty situation. And uh, yeah, getting back on this whole conspiracy, it doesn't 
the policies that these governments are enacting do not make any sense when it comes to the the other things that they're screaming about. There's going to be a world food shortage. Meanwhile, Biden this year, uh, he upped the amount of farmland that was going to be shut down for the sake of preserving the land. Uh, you know, these programs where farmers are paid not to farm. Uh, it's federal money handed over. The, the farmer can either do the math and say, well, I can either put my money into production and hope to gain it back plus some at the end of the, the crop. But, you know, it, it's a guessing game. Every year is a guessing game. Is there going to be a drought? Is there going to be too much rain? Is it going to be perfect weather and I'm going to miss out on a, a huge crop? Um, farming is a guessing game when it comes to being a business. So when the federal government comes in and says, hey, we see you have 10,000 acres. We'd like to pay you not to farm it. Well, how much are we talking? Then they get the check and they're like, man, now I don't have to pay for fuel. I don't have to pay for seed, for fertilizer, uh, for pesticides. And I just get this money for having a field not produce. This, is, this seems to be a lot easier than actually doing the work. Again, it's a business. When the government steps in and says, we're going to pay you not to run your business, that's that's a good economic policy for the farmer. Why wouldn't they? So when we know that with Ukraine and Russia, that wheat is not going to be exported and certain countries are going to be hurting, and then we turn to India and say, like, hey, uh, you produce a lot of food. Can you make up for it? And they're like, oh, yeah, we can do it. And then a couple months later, they're like, uh, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of people and uh, we didn't grow a lot of food. So, no. <laughs> and instead of Biden going to farmers saying, hey, we're going to pay you for not plowing that field, but plow that field and we'll still give you the money. <laughs> it would have been a win-win for the farmers. Like, you're still going to get this check, but you need to get up and running. Okay? Uh, that that would have been a great ambition. Like, what's the harm in farming when you've already been paid for a crop that hasn't been grown yet? You know? Plus, you get to keep the money of the crop that you're going to grow, regardless of uh, whether it produces or not. You already have the money. That would have been an amazing policy. Amazing. But we don't have an amazing president. And uh, that's the world that we are in today. So I want to close with this final thought. Back in 1999, there was a movie that came out based on a book called Fight Club. And you had a character played by Brad Pitt named Tyler Durden, who ends up becoming this guru, this uh, leader of a small band of displaced men in society and he does these great speeches that spoke to me when I was that age uh, granted we didn't know two years later that 9-11 was going to happen but at the same time when you live in a country that is socially isolated from the rest of the world and we have everything uh, 
and you can go to the store and you can buy food. Clean water comes out of your sink. Uh, sanitation is not an issue. Um, clothes are, you, you don't have to kill a deer in order to make pants. <laughs> you know, uh, everything is fairly comfortable. And, uh, you know, at the same time, we also had the internet. So there are other wants and desires that could almost instantly be gratified. Uh, you didn't have to work towards anything. And this was 1999. And there was a speech where, where Tyler is saying that we're a lost generation that there, we don't have a Great Depression. There's no Great War for us. Our D Great Depression is our lives. And our Great War is a spiritual war. And for the longest time, unless you joined the military and went to Iraq or Afghanistan, um, unless you did something like that, you went on an, in an adventure somewhere else, uh, the United States, overall, was just a country of overabundance where you didn't really have to fight for anything. And that's, I think, how we ended up with this generation now, where everybody wants to be a socialist, where everybody thinks that because they exist, that they are entitled to certain things, which turns into they're entitled to everything. Um, but then again, they, they also look at common core. They don't have to work through school. They just immediately get a grade for being there, for showing up. They get pushed through. Um, I have a nephew at the moment who still can't read and he's in third grade. Eventually they're just going to push him through. Uh, it's, it's, everybody's I'm not going to say it's everybody's problem. It's almost like they, they treat it like, well, it's his problem. I'm just here to make sure that he moves on, regardless of whether he's, he's ready or not. And um, we're coming to a time where that mentality is no longer going to be there. Granted, there's going to be people who still think that they're entitled and and uh, are going to whine and cry and go to whoever to get what they need, and Lord knows what they're going to do in order to get it. But when it comes to there is no great, we're heading towards a great depression. We're we're heading towards a war of sorts, if not an actual war, and men, people overall are going to have to buck up and uh, face this head on if you don't you're not going to survive and this is going to be the ultimate test of just about any lifetime really uh, looking back on it the great depression food was everywhere people just couldn't afford it uh, you look at 2008 uh, yeah people were kicked out of their homes uh, but hey, van life, right? I mean, that's cool. You can just live out of your car, man. That's a whole lifestyle. You're not homeless. You have a mobile home. Um, it's uh, 
what is coming if if you are a young man, a young person who feels like they have no purpose, there's no challenge, everything has already been done, what do I have to look forward to? Uh, this is on its way. Uh, this is going to be a moment where you can't fail. If you do, you're, you're no longer around. <laughs> your, your gene pool does not carry on. Um, this is going to be the ultimate test. And it's, it's one of those things that that was challenges was what was missing from people's lives back in 1999 when when fight club came around um people no longer had role models uh you know the lost father figure in the home due to divorce we're a generation raised by women i'm wondering if another woman is really what we need um these are all things that came out and in, in fight club that really summarized what was going on with men and what is still going on with men. And, you know, now that we have a society that says men are useless, that men are, men are really women and that it takes a real man to become a, a great woman. Uh, (laughs) it's like men by themselves are not good enough is what they keep telling us. And, we need to get back to men serve a purpose. Men have meaning. Uh, men have value. We need to get back to that because uh, if if it came down to, if I had to rely on somebody for protection, um, it's not going to be a pink-haired social justice warrior uh, screaming in the streets with a vagina hat, uh, that I'm going to look at and go, you know, I, I think they, they could do a, a good, well, they, they have a good chance of protecting me. I, I could see where they might be aggressive enough. No. Um, no, I, I want a man. I want to be a man. I like being a man. And, uh, you know, when people degrade me for that, um, I can only assume they really don't know. There's something else going on there. They don't, for one, they don't really know what they're talking about and they don't realize how important men are in society for one, uh, two, uh, they probably odds are really good. They have some other issues going on. Um, Something that happened to them in the past, something that wasn't a a man, uh, because there is a difference between um, a man and a villain. And, uh, you know, there was a a comment, I think it was Joe Rogan the other day, that said that uh, most men are not violent, but when it comes to violence, most men commit those acts. And uh, it's true. You know, we have testosterone. And uh, as Jordan Peterson put it, uh, what women should really be looking for in a man is somebody who has the potential to be dangerous, but knows when to appropriately use it. 
you don't want to be with a guy who in the middle of the night you hear a window break and he goes, I don't want to go downstairs. Just call the police. Get somebody else here. No, you want the dude to grab the baseball bat, to grab the shotgun, to storm down the stairs, and uh, hopefully the situation is taken care of, right? You don't want the guy who's like, I'm not going down there. No, I play video games. <laughs> this this is reality. Like, no, they can just leave. Just, just take what you want. Oh, you want her? Well, <laughs> I guess I can get another girlfriend. No, women, <laughs> you don't want that guy. Uh, that is not a man. Uh, I'm talking about men and, and young men who want to learn how to become men. That situation is coming. That, that time is coming. And, and finally, you know, you, you talk about having that moment. That's, that's going to be here. And it's going to be here soon. That's about it for me today. Remember, you are the carbon that they want to reduce. Uh, make sure that doesn't happen. And uh, you can catch me next week. Uh, today is Friday, so this will be the last episode for the week. And uh, come Monday, I don't know what my schedule looks like next week, but I'm going to try to have a couple episodes out. Uh, meanwhile, I am going to start putting things together for some of the uh, special broadcasts on different subjects that I want to touch on that are not news-related. And uh, you can also catch me over at YouTube at the Collapse Experiment on that channel um, where I will have different content, snippets from this podcast, and things that are going around, going on uh, around my, my house, my home, homestead, as the wife likes to call it. So uh, you can also check me out there. Uh, remember, uh, I also have books available on Amazon, and there is the collapseexperiment.com with the latest news that I collect from the internet to try to keep you informed as to the shenanigans that are going on. Thank you for listening to the Collapse Experiment podcast. For more content, check out thecollapseexperiment.com where you can find the latest news articles. If you'd like to help out this podcast, check out books by Matthew Gilman on Amazon, or you should just buy gold and silver. Just just buy gold and silver. It's, it's a better investment, and uh, you might actually have something to trade later on when the world <laughs> falls apart.